welcome to the First Norn Broncos podcast. I'm Kyle Fredrickson, joined by Ryan O'Halloran. We are at UC Health Training Center on a beautiful Monday with an eventful practice, Ryan. As the Twitterverse knows, as the internet world knows, uh, we had a fight today. Would you call it a fight? Well, I'm going to have to defer to you because I was in the Vic Fangio camp. Uh, I didn't see much of it. That's right. The only parts I saw, and I'll, let, I'll tee it up on you because you did see it and you wrote about it. It was a bad start to practice. Philip Lindsay lit into the offense, offensive huddle after a false start on Garrett Bowles, I think on a hard count, which is just unacceptable. You could see Vic, wasn't get, Vic was getting ticked. And then all of a sudden, I see Ron Leary pushing Cortland Sutton out of the way, and uh, that's where I'll leave it with you. Yeah, and I think you set the scene well because the environment was there today for this to happen. Yeah, these are dog days set yes. in today. We're on day 13. It's hot out there, 90 degrees. You got Philip Lindsay, I mean, literally just yelling over the sound of everything at Garrett Bowles. Everyone hears it. And at that point, I think maybe even the sideline got involved. We can't say for sure what happened, but I know at that point it sort of became a team frustration. And from that, whatever it was, emerged this rift between Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton. I, I saw some of it play out. A lot of this was kind of through secondhand through a couple of reporters, what they saw. But apparently there were legitimate punches thrown initially between these two guys. They had to be physically separated. As you mentioned, Ron Leary kind of playing that initial peacemaker getting between them. And it wasn't a deal where, hey, we got in a scuffle, we're separated, and we're done. And I think that's what's most notable about this is it spread out over, what, five, maybe ten minutes. Um, it was a case where Ron Leary was able to get Cortland Sutton away from Emmanuel while this seven-on-seven seven period, I think, was going on at that point onto a separate practice field. Uh, the chirping kept going with Cortland yelling across to the other field with Emmanuel still yelling. And by the time that Cortland got back to that main group again, it started up once again with Emmanuel Sanders, I'm told, throwing an open water bottle directly at Cortland Sutton. So it's, it's you know, for Emmanuel, this isn't his first fight. This isn't the first time he's gotten into it. He probably likes poking some of these guys or, or he wants to, you know, get intense at these moments. But for me to see him react like that late in a scuffle like this it's interesting because that's a veteran player who just continues to let something like this linger as opposed to just moving on. It lasted, you know, over five minutes at that point. It was totally unacceptable. I mean, both players should know better, you know, because you do it in front of the fans, in front of the media. That's the storyline. You're, you're embarrassing your team. If Vic would have seen this, I think he would have sent him off the field. You know, as he said afterwards, I didn't find out about it until 10 minutes later. Once he did, he called the team together and says, this is not happening. This is not good. It shouldn't happen. And then as a side note, he said, pick it up. Pick practice up, according to Kareem Jackson. So you know, uh, you know, Kareem said you know, he had uh, Vic had Sutton and Sanders, you know, quote, unquote, quit, quit kiss and make up in the huddle. But <laughs> yes. you know, they stayed apart the rest of the practice. I was watching them. They did not have any interactions. Um, so, I mean, and the one hand will blow over, but it's not a good look. Stuff, you know, and anybody who says this stuff happens in camp, no, it doesn't. Connor McGovern versus Derek Wolf a couple weeks ago, that happens. That's offense versus defense. I can't remember last time I saw two guys in a position group get into this kind of scuffle. So, you know, if I am Vic, I, I have both guys in my office together and say, this is not happening again, or else you will be fined, you will be kicked out of practice. And, uh, you know, this is going to linger until both guys talk. Neither of them did after practice today. I, you know, if they would have taken their medicine, you would have moved on tomorrow. Now this gets another day. 
Right. So until they address it, it's a storyline. Um, you know, practice it was fine after that. You know, three, you know, the uh, four interceptions for the defense and teamwork, including two by Kareem Jackson. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, you know, sort of, you know, some people, so, you know, some established, you know, some, I don't call them, I'm not going to call them respected media members, <laughs> but some people, this is what we needed. Uh, the hell for? Yeah. How about paying attention to practice? <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. It added some spice, but it was totally unnecessary. We'll wrap it, at least on my end, with two just interesting notes. Guys are two former SMU guys, you know, went to the same college. We were considered, I think, friends to a certain degree, and, and just how they interacted. You saw a lot of the celebrations last year, a lot of praise given back and forth, but two players also who have said publicly that they're the number one wide receiver on this team going into the year. So take that for what it is. I don't know what started all of this, but these are hyper-competitive players. You can read more about all this as well, uh, denverpost.com. I've got a story there too, Ryan, but it's certainly something pretty interesting. I'll wrap it up on this. Is you know, you, you, The big question is, okay, how did this start? You know, they weren't competing against each other. You know, my guess is maybe Sanders is the veteran, didn't like something Cortland did, and says, hey, hey, young buck. You know, pick it up, and then Sutton probably didn't like that, and then said, "Bleep you." Next thing right. you know, you know they're pounding the foil, right, <laughs> so, exactly. uh, or swing of the foil, whatever. <laughs> Slap shot, put on the foil. Ah, there you go, right? Swing of the good, fist. Good to but, clarify. But that. anyway, so what? We got two more topics covered. Yeah. I'll tee up on the inside linebacker thing. For You're sure. sort of poking around on that today until this happened. Todd Davis has been out two two and a half weeks. Joseph, Joe Jones, a backup but a special teams core guy, he's going to be out a little bit because he got hurt Thursday. So that left Josie Jewell. He had to make it through practice. So what what is the state of this inside linebacker group right now? Totally up in the air with a whole bunch of guys who have never been in a position where they're relied upon to be really kind of the coordinator of that position, right? Because you feel pretty good if Josie Jewell is in there if you're a Broncos fan. Played a ton of the position last year, has developed into a leader. They see him as a starter. But without him in the mix and Joe Jones, a special teams guru who, who understands it, um, you know, without Todd Davis, all you've got left is Alexander Johnson, a guy who got his feet wet last year but by no means is a finished product at inside linebacker. Uh, and then you got a, a rookie in Josh Watson at Colorado State, who I wrote about last week, who's a, a big-time hitter but is you know still kind of figuring out how to control his body and the ins and outs of it. Um, and then a guy who really should have a lot of opportunity and a guy we hardly ever mention, it seems like, but Keyshawn Bieria. Uh, he was a kind of a mid-round pick last year. He's in his second year kind of barely scratched special teams from what I can recall as a rookie, but here he is getting some first team work and getting rotated in and out. Uh, you know, he's a guy I think Broncos fans should at least be paying attention to as a dark horse candidate to at least earn extra work in this upcoming preseason game to figure out this depth chart because the Broncos don't have a lot of answers right now. Yeah, Vic Fangio said I've practiced. Josie Jewell tweaked his side. Well, that leaves a lot of gray area. It could be <laughs> yeah. rib cartilage or an oblique or an abdominal, etc. Uh, Keyshawn, I'll call him Keyshawn Barreria. Barreria. B area. We have to look this up. Yes, B area. Sorry, Keyshawn. I thought B area would be running with the second team at the start of camp when Davis got hurt. Well, he didn't get a shot with the ones. He didn't get a shot with the twos. I mean, uh, he was off this roster as a 53-man guy. You know, this is a little bit of an opening because he has to play defense now. You figure with Jewel, there's no, you know, no point in playing him now Thursday night in Seattle. So you get Johnson and Watson – he makes Justin Hollins and is a nickel guy at inside linebacker, but you know a lot. Of, you know this is uh you know you lose one guy at a position. 
you know, most teams, if they're built right, can handle that. You lose two guys, be it two receivers, two tight ends, two inside linebackers, you're a little bit up the creek. So it's a chance for these young guys and it's a chance for these coaches to say, okay, who do you trust if you have to play them? Speaking of injured players, uh, we'll kind of wrap up with one more topic on the first in Orange pod. We appreciate you guys listening. Ryan, you were able to catch up with a name that Broncos fans know well, but maybe don't know what's going on with his current situation. Uh, Jake Butt, a third ACL tear that he's returning from at this point. Uh, Vic Fangio called uh, a little bit of a setback in his progress, a pothole the other day. How much that pothole has grown, if it's a sinkhole, if it needs uh, you know repavement, that's kind of the question at this point. How much time are the Broncos willing to give butt in this reclamation project? Just what was kind of the, the mood you got from him when, when having a chance to, to catch up with him? Uh, as But a guy who's been at every practice, been sitting there watching in, in shorts and a, in a jersey. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I talked, you know, I talked to Jake. He missed his 10th consecutive practice. He hasn't worked on the field since July 20th. That was an off day, which became a pothole, which is now the current predicament. You know, Jake said he feels good. You see him running on a side field in practice. The key is, as he said, don't rehab yourself to get back for one practice. Rehab yourself to get to one practice and stay on the field. And that's why they're taking their time with this. The opener is five weeks from tonight, so they have some time on that. Um, he did say this is the men- mentally as toughest thing he's ever been through. The first two ACLs he had – uh, a pretty clean return. This one, he had nine months off-season re- rehab. He had no setbacks, no tendonitis, no soreness. And so he thought he was ready to go. He lasted three practices, even though he was limited in those workouts. I asked him, I said, did you guys err in starting camp? He said, absolutely not, uh, which I thought was interesting. Uh, maybe he would have been a PUP guy to start. He says, you know, it's just one of those you know, uh, where the soreness hasn't gone away, he's gone. He's undergone MRIs, no structural damage. That leaves Jeff Hireman, Troy Fumagalli, and Noah Fant. Fant needs to pick it up. Hireman's playing the third quarter preseason game because they don't have a lot of numbers. Austin Fort, he's sort of you know leveled off a little bit. So, you know, the Broncos want to be able to say they can count on Jake Butt, but his injury history and, and right now his predicament. I mean, you, you got to plan for Oakland as if you're not going to have Butt. It'll be really interesting to see how many tight ends that this team keeps, right? Because it was such a position of wealth coming into training camp. Now they got some injuries. Bug Howard's out as well. Three or four, Ryan, what's what's going to determine well, that? Well, I think if Butt's a part of the equation, I think it's going to be four. Hireman, Fumagalli, Fant, and Butt in no uncertain order. That's what I thought going into camp. This is a two-tight end offense. It may end up being their base personnel package for Rich Gangarello. That's why I have him keep four. Two, two potential Detours from that is one is Jake Butt's injury status. If he's on temporary, if the if he's on IR eligible to return, that's three. The other thing is, what are you going to do in a return game? Could one of these receivers win the punt return job and be the sixth receiver, or do they keep five? If they don't, kick return. How about Devontae Jackson is too good to cut because he's a good kick returner. That means you're going to keep an extra tailback. So. Uh, the, the roster math at receiver and tailback will, will impact that at tight end. So the Broncos, in a couple days, will go to Seattle to play their second preseason game. Uh, our first chance to see some starters, our first chance uh, to see some other players we've really been looking forward to, Ryan. We'll be breaking down that game and storylines to watch in a separate edition of the podcast. Uh, but on that note, we will wrap up things from a very newsy Monday at UC Health Training Center. We appreciate you guys listening along. Uh, of course, you can find all of our work online at Denver post.com be sure to subscribe get that paper delivered to your front door every day and we will see you next time